No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that when Ezra arrives in Jerusalem, he does not find things as he expects. The men of Judah have sinned greatly against the Lord. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Ezra chapter 9 on Simply the Bible. Ezra had led more than 1,500 people from Babylon to Jerusalem. As a priest, he had presented offerings to worship the Lord. And as the king of Persia's representative, he had carried the king's decree to the surrounding people that they should obey the law of the Lord and the law of the king. But now Ezra faced his greatest challenge yet. We continue in Ezra chapter 9. When these things were done, the leaders came to me, saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands with respect to the abominations of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons, so that the holy seed is mixed with the peoples of those lands. Indeed, the hand of the leaders and rulers has been foremost in this trespass. Obviously, there were people there in Jerusalem who were troubled by what they saw going on because they saw people openly breaking God's commandments and then acting like nothing was wrong. Perhaps these people justified it by saying there just weren't enough single women among the Jewish exiles who had returned to Jerusalem. But now that Ezra, the priest, had come with orders from Artaxerxes to enrich the temple, and present sacrificial offerings in worship, really to revive the worship of the people. Well, they felt compelled to tell Ezra what had been going on while he was in Babylon. You know, there is a difference between gossip and the righteous responsibility to report evil to the proper authorities. The Jews were a covenant people, and if sin was allowed to go unchecked, it would jeopardize the entire nation. Therefore, they told Ezra that these men had not kept themselves separate, but they had married women from the surrounding nations, which God had strictly forbidden them to do. We know from the book of Malachi that some of these men were even divorcing their Jewish wives to marry foreign women. Moreover, rather than the leaders, priests, and Levites rebuking the people for their disobedience, they were leading the way in this trespass. Now, it's bad enough when the common people sin, but it is much worse when their leaders, and especially their spiritual leaders, are setting an immoral example. Now, God had made this covenant with the nation of Israel through Moses long before they entered the promised land. God told them that they were to destroy the pagan nations of Canaan and not intermarry with them. Their idolatrous practices were so vile that God knew his people would be corrupted by them. And that is exactly what happened. The men of Israel fell for these pagan women, committed sexual immorality with them, and then worshipped their gods. Because of these practices, 
God ultimately drove them out of the land and into captivity. So rather than joining with the peoples of the land and indulging in their sinful practices, God told them to separate themselves from the filth of these nations in order to worship him in holiness. Now, it's important for us to understand that this prohibition wasn't against interracial marriage per se, but against mixing righteousness and wickedness and light with darkness. God gave instructions for how they could marry foreign women from other nations, but he strictly forbade them to marry women of the Canaanite nations. God knew that these women were so given over to the worship of their idols that they would turn the hearts of the children of Israel away from the Lord. God declared Israel to be his special treasure above all people. He gave them his commandments. And it would be through Israel that the nations of the world would be blessed because they would bring forth the Messiah. But mixing their seed with the seed of the pagan nations would ruin their distinction, compromise the faith of their children, and severely jeopardize the coming of the Messiah. As Christians, we have a New Testament mandate not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Of course, everyone thinks that his or her case is the exception. Somehow they will win their spouse over to Christ, but then they later discover that their spouse has no interest in Christ. They are stuck in a marriage where they cannot share the things of Christ with their spouse. Verse 3, so when I heard these things, I tore my garment and my robe and plucked out some of the hair of my head and beard and sat down astonished. Then everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel assembled to me because of the transgression of those who had been carried away captive. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. When Ezra heard what the people had done, he was astonished. The Hebrew word means to be shocked, horrified, appalled, or desolate. He was undone. Ezra had spent his life preparing to be a priest to God's people in Jerusalem at the temple. And now he discovered that the Jews had forsaken the Lord and were practicing the very things that got them kicked out of Judah to begin with. Ezra could have railed against the leaders and put his finger in their face. He could have preached a message on the evils of sexual sin. He could have started to bust some heads. Instead, Ezra tore his garment and his robe, and he plucked out the hair of his head and beard and mourned, as he might have done if someone very close to him had just died. This is what he did publicly so that the people could see how brokenhearted Ezra was before God. Now, there were still people who trembled at the word of God. It is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. So these Jews, who trembled at the word, gathered around Ezra in sympathy because they could see that his heart was broken over those who had been carried away captive 
into their sin. At the evening sacrifice, I rose from my fasting, and having torn my garment and my robe, I fell on my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God. In the evening, Ezra fell on his knees and prayed. This is one of the great prayers of the Bible. Ezra spread out his hands to God as one holding nothing back, but being completely open and naked before God. And he said, Oh my God, I am too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has grown up to the heavens. Since the days of our fathers to this day, we have been very guilty and for our iniquities, we, our kings and our priests have been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands to the sword, to captivity, to plunder and to humiliation as it is this day. Now, Ezra hadn't personally committed these sins, but notice how he identified himself with his fellow Jews in their sins. Ezra interceded for them, as Moses had done so many generations earlier. In his prayer of confession, he included himself, for he knew that he also was a sinner. And now, for a little while, while grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a peg in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a measure of revival in our bondage. For we were slaves, yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage, but he extended mercy to us in the sight of the kings of Persia to revive us, to repair the house of our God, to rebuild its ruins and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. God, by his grace, had allowed them to return to the land. Now, it didn't happen because they deserved it, but because God had preserved for himself a remnant of Jews whom he had now established in the holy place in Jerusalem to revive them from their spiritual death in Babylon. He had moved upon two Persian kings so that they could rebuild the temple and begin to fortify the city and renew their worship of the Lord. And now, O oh our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken your commandments, which you commanded by your servant, the prophet, saying, The land which you are entering to possess is an unclean land, with the uncleanness of the peoples of the lands, with their abominations, which have filled it from one end to another with their impurity. Now, therefore, do not give your daughters as wives for their sons, nor take their daughters to your sons, and never seek their peace or prosperity, that you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it as an inheritance to your children forever. Their strength, their prosperity, and their posterity for future generations lie in them being separated from the world and belonging totally to the Lord. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and our great guilt, since you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserve and have given us such deliverance as this, should we again break your commandments and join in marriage with the people committing these abominations? Would you not be angry with us until you had consumed us so that there would be no remnant or survivor? O Lord God of Israel, you are righteous, for we are left as a remnant 
as it is this day. Here we are before you in our guilt, though no one can stand before you because of this. There was simply nothing for Ezra to say except, God, we are guilty. The Jews had made unholy alliances. But I wonder, what unholy alliances are God's people making today? Where is the church in danger of being corrupted by the gods of this age? The gods that were worshipped by the pagan peoples of Ezra's day were gods of pleasure, money, and power. You know, not much has changed since then. Oh, people may not have little statues in their homes, but they worship and serve these gods nonetheless. Some of us have perhaps made alliances with people in this world who are serving these gods, and we have been corrupted. We begin adopting the world's value system, and it turns our hearts away from the pure devotion to Jesus. Maybe it's an alliance with a person of the opposite sex who's not born again. Maybe rather than keeping yourself holy, you have indulged in sexual sin, drug or alcohol consumption, or the love of money. These things war against the Spirit of Christ in you. The first step in putting things right is agreeing with God that we have sinned against Him. And then we must look to the cross of Jesus Christ where the perfect atonement was made for us. It is by God's grace that we are saved through faith. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have questions or comments, please call or text us at 208 209-4860. That's 208-319-4860. Tomorrow we'll see where the men confess their sin in marrying pagan wives and swear an oath to God to put them away. It's a lesson of true repentance. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Ezra on Simply the Bible. (laughs) 